So when I say spiritual ceremony facility, I'm actually talking about getting people to breathe together. And actually the word inspiration, inspire means to breathe in, expiration means to breathe out. Welcome to the Dr. Espen podcast, where we explore the latest in quantum science, personal development, consciousness and spirituality, health, as well as business and money mastery. Join me as I interview experts from all over the world sharing the most incredible stories of transformation. This is where we provide you with the exact tools and coaching activities you need to expand your consciousness in each of the eight areas of your life. For more info on our events, programs, coaching, etc., go to drspen.com for the full quantum experience. Welcome, friends. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Dr. Espen podcast. Today, I'm joined by Niraj Knight. Check this out, guys. Niraj is a renegade pharmacist. He's a certified UK pharmacist turned holistic wellness brain training breathwork expert. He's one of the world's most sought after spiritual ceremony facilitators and leads breathwork workshops all around the world with facilitators teaching his work. His journey started in the midst of a burnout in the corporate career. I think many of us or many of you can relate to that when he actually found himself bedridden with a chronic illness for more than a year. Then healing himself using breathwork techniques and dietary supplements, uh, he felt motivated to share his knowledge with others. And today he runs a global breathwork community and trains hundreds of breathwork experts and facilitators in his Soma Breath framework with numerous wellness centers you know, taught throughout the world. So I want to say a special welcome because I've been, as I briefly shared before, in the breathwork and yoga space. I've been teaching breathwork and yoga for 15 years. And there are a lot of people out there now not really recognizing how powerful this work is and not bringing the sacredness to it and not holding the frame and, and the duty of care to the level that I think is really required. But uh, Niraj really does that so well. And I've actually shared his personal breathwork with my team and with my students several times because I use it myself regularly. And so I'm really excited to have this conversation. We're going to get into the science of the breath, the, the power of it, and how you can change your life using consciousness, awareness, and of course, breath. So Niraj, welcome, brother. Where are you joining us from today? I live in Ibiza in Spain. Oh, tough life. <laughs> yeah, Wonderful. I, I used to live in England, so this is a big uh, transition. I mean, for the last seven years, I used to live in Koh Phangan in Thailand. <laughs> Thank you for jumping on. We are super excited to, to have this conversation. Just wanted to check in with you. What was it inspired you to learn more about breathwork specifically? Yeah, yeah. Let me share with you a bit of my journey. But you mentioned in my little bio, spiritual ceremony facilitators, right? So I do want to redefine the word spiritual because spirituality has a lot to do with religion, okay? And the association, but actually the word spirit, it comes from the Latin espiritu, which means life, breath. And actually the root of it is breath. And spiritual, if you look at it from that context, actually means to breathe. So when I say spiritual ceremony facility, I'm actually talking about getting people to breathe together. And actually the word inspiration, inspire means to breathe in. Expiration means to breathe out. Conspire means to breathe together, actually. So I have a big conspiracy to get people to breathe together, regardless of color, caste, religion. You know, we're all, we all breathe. We all have that in common. We also have the same color blood. We have more similarities and differences. Let's 
celebrate differences, but also realize they're all the same. And let's bring the unity back. And that's really what my mission's all about. And actually, why I got into all of this is partly that because I became so disconnected from myself, you know, and breath work and breathing techniques can help you really discover your truth. And for me, what happened was I did everything that you're supposed to do. I got, you know, a good degree, became a pharmacist, uh, did what my parents wanted me to do, study hard, got the nice car, but I was absolutely miserable doing that job. I was just dishing out pills all day long, people going away with shopping bags filled with drugs. And I felt like I was spiritually disconnected from people. That's not my truth. And I think human beings, when they start to feel disconnected, they start to act, act out of their humanity and they do it in different ways. Either they self-destruct, they start like being, you know, going down the wrong lifestyle or they start doing harm to other people around them. Like, you know, abusing their partner at their home and things like that. They're just people playing out their frustrations of disconnection. That's usually what it is. Disconnection from who their truth, what their truth is and disconnection and how to relate with other people because we've become nuclear families. We've been divided. You know, mm. the media does an amazing job of it. Politicians do an even better job. And so my battle has always been trying to figure out who I am. And my passion actually has always been music. And I used to run raves for many years before that at university and beyond that. And that's what I thought I was going to be. It was a DJ, music producer and all that. But things didn't go according to plan. Like I, it was a very hedonistic lifestyle. Even that, there's a lot of connection, right? On a dance floor, right? But there's also a lot of disconnection. People getting completely off their mind, out of their minds. Disassociated. All kinds of drugs. Yeah. So I was one of those who was at one point immersed in the spirituality, the connection of all these people coming together, celebrating life. But then I, over time, getting more and more disconnected from myself and others and getting wrapped into the ego of being like somebody important in the music world and then self-destructed and the hedonism took its toll. But also I was running a business, quite a big one at a young age, wasn't ready for it. Boom, ended up doing my job as a pharmacist, hating my life. And then I slowly broke down actually like more and more, you know, and my physical body broke down and I, long story short, I mean, there's a crazy journey in between now where I climbed to the head office of Walmart, Asda, where I was created this healthy shopping service to help lots of people. That idea got sabotaged because I, I started to find my own path through trying to make my job a bit more interesting by helping patients get off the drugs rather than bloodbaths quite controversial but actually it got accepted all the way to the head office of walmart but then in the end middle management destroyed the idea and I ended up like having to go back to my job and that fear crept in this like illusionment of and faith in humanity and god it's like i worked so hard to make my job better and i thought that's what i wanted to do but actually i got steered down another path but it ended up being the best thing that ever happened getting sick so what happened, I ended up getting autoimmune disease called ulcerative colitis. I went from being relatively Stress. okay in health to suddenly shitting blood 40, 50 times a day, right? Losing a third of my body weight and mad depression, mad, mad disillusionment, like just ready to die actually. I was, I was ready to just die. And I surrendered to the mainstream medical industry 
and nothing works. I've got all the side effects of the pills. And I was one day faced with a choice. You either have your colon removed or be a guinea pig for a drug that hasn't been tested before. And it was this huge, overweight, obese consultant who was telling me this and she didn't want to do her job. She was disconnected. She hated her life. You could tell she wasn't happy. And she's given me these two choices. She didn't know any better. She told me food doesn't make a difference. Stress doesn't make a difference. <laughs> I've heard Shut it all. It's crazy, man. No. Yeah. She didn't know what she was doing either. So I just was lost. And they say God stands for the gift of desperation. And literally at that moment, I prayed so hard, like forced into it. Like it was like a weird experience, like flashes of light and all this. And someone came to the rescue, a yoga teacher in the UK, Swami Amkanan, who basically said to me, you got a gift here. If you can reverse this, you'll be an amazing role model to other people. You you really care about people. And if you can prove to people with this story of transformation that this stuff works, you'll have a really good story to inspire other people. And people will start believing you. Because that was my battle, was being believed. Because uh -huh. back in 2010, it was still quite underground, all of this being healthy, right? Not eating factory foods and all that was still a novel idea, right? It was crazy. So I had a lot of battles, especially with my own family, because they're all doctors and pharmacists. Of course. And when I got sick, yeah, when I got sick, actually, there was so much pressure to keep taking the drugs that I actually moved away from home in order to get off the drugs and do it my way. What happened was I got so much relief from simple breathing techniques right from pranayama that's what she taught me it was the foundation of yoga is pranayama and ayurveda and with ayurveda you can customize your program for you your individuality your bio individuality and i actually was doing so many things wrong according to the ayurvedic system at that time raw veganism started to get into the more into the consciousness right people so i actually tried all that stuff right and i should become a bit of a vegan funny enough when I got sick. So, cause I was going to be like the face of health of this big corporation. So I was like, I'm going to become a vegan, right? <laughs> That's when I guess I get really sick. I don't know if maybe that triggered it. Right. So what happened was I realized, and that made my symptoms even 10 times worse, the raw vegan salads, fruits, all this stuff made my symptoms 10 times worse. So I was like, what's going on here? This doesn't make sense. So in the Ayurvedic system, it says, if you have my constitution, my type, my energy type. Actually, raw vegan food is the worst food. You need cook it, cooked, nourished, warm foods that are grounding with good essential oils, fats, and also meats are okay, especially if you're in a disease state, as I was, you should actually use meat to to fix the, 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 the bowels and get your weight back to normal. So actually, I completely went against all the dogma of religion because they say don't eat beef right that's the whole hindu thing right so actually what i decided to do because tony robbins says model success i got quite into the whole tony robbins thing so i started to look at who's already healed themselves yep. from this, this disease and i realized they're all doing the same kinds of things that the ayurvedic system was telling me and big part of it was very low carb diet very low residue diet so certain foods are in eliminated from your diet that cause residue in the gut. And then I went to a more of a paleo beef-based diet, which is so against the whole Hindu culture. So that cured me. And I discovered this substance called colostrum, which has incredible healing benefits to the gut, which I highly recommend. And it's also 
friendly to the cow because cows actually get in pain if they are not milked properly. This is a thing. I spoke to a whole farmer about this, the ethical side of milking farming colostrum. And they said the cows need to be milked regularly and especially the colostrum because it produces so much of it. Calf only needs a few mouthfuls a day. So the excess is taken. Usually farmers just throw it all away, but some dairy farms take some of that colostrum and turn it into stuff that humans can use. So that was amazing. So that combined with the breathing techniques started to form the basis of my transformation. And what I also went back to was the music. And with the music, I realized that actually there's so much wisdom in the old yogic musical system, the Vedic system of in intonations with music and notes and time signatures. Chanting, energy, vibration. Chanting, yeah. So I was like, oh, wow. So I started to bring the music back. Uh, instead of making crazy hedonistic dance music, I started to make all this very trippy, dreamy music that took mm -hmm. you into all the states, which you allow you to reprogram the unconscious. The big part of the, the transformation, it actually revolves around learning how to speak to yourself the right way. And the best way mm -hmm. to do that is to learn the art of deep, guided, creative visualization and meditation that helps you reprogram the unconscious mind. It's basically hypnotherapy, right? So guided meditation is the old ancient system of hypnotherapy. It's self-hypnosis, talking mm -hmm. to yourself the right way. Yeah. So you know, use all that. Yeah. yeah. I formed the system that, that's now the foundation of solar breath. That we can go deep into the science and why it all works if you want. But yeah, I love it. I love it. I think breathwork is so powerful, and sometimes, well, m most people have never had the privilege of understanding it or having the experience. And sometimes, when they have the experience, it's so powerful that parts of us just go, "Wow, what on earth was that?" And I just remind often, so my students, as I teach similar things, I say, the first thing you do when you're born is you take a breath. Mm. You know, and the last thing you do before you move on is to take a breath. So it's not just the gift of life. It's also potentially a portal to other dimensions, certainly higher states of consciousness, et cetera. And it's so miraculous for me as a primary healthcare physician, you know, having done all kinds of different therapies, I've employed medical doctors and chiropractors and osteos and physios and, you know, we had pathology, radiology, you know, you know, all the kind of multi-discipline style. But, and so you can work on a, you know, call it a diagnosis for a period of time and get great results depending on what you're doing and obviously the patient's response. But then you take something like breath and put breath in the mix in terms of its recalibration back to the parasympathetic, lifting, I call it getting rid of the issues in the tissues, and they heal things Yes. beyond space and time. That yes. is, could have taken so much longer and done in a different way. And then the nervous system goes, what is that? Like my shoulder is healed, like that pain is gone. That's been, I've got yes. so many of these cases, I'm sure you got thousands. What's yeah. the perspective on how powerful the breath is? Well, what's the secret of the breath when it comes to healing? How is it so powerful? Amazing. Amazing. Dude, I love it. What, what's, your, what's your ideas? Great question, man. So this is my like passion now, right? So exactly what you said, like why is there such little importance given to breath when you can go without food for a, a few weeks, you can go without water for a few days, but breath, you can only go without for a few minutes, but yet it's the least regarded thing still, right? People ignore it completely. They take it for granted. So there's so much superpower. And now yeah, we're like but... finding this superpower, like in this age of darkness or chaos or stress or change, we're finding this, right? I want to I want to yeah. hear your your concept on this because we can go through um, so thousands of case studies. But how how is the breath so powerful? A little bit on the science or the 
or the philosophy, yeah. whichever direction you want to go, you want to take it. Well, the first thing is the fact that the breath is directly linked to the autonomic nervous system. It's something that we can just let it be taken for granted, right? Which a lot of people do. They don't ever even observe the breath. But when you observe the breath, just for a moment, you start to take conscious control over it, right? And when you have conscious control of the breath, this is when the really interesting stuff happens, right? So let's give props to Wim Hof because he actually was one of the a person in the recent times who went and got lots of science behind this, the proof that you can tap into autonomic nervous system. The yogis have also been doing this for years, right? And one of the tricks that yogis do is they show you how you can raise your heart rate on command and lower it on command, which is absolute proof that you can tap into the autonomic nervous system, which is yeah. what controls all of the functions of the body on absolute autopilot, right? So I actually got this little toy. <laughs> Okay, which is a pulse oximeter. You may have seen a lot of these over COVID, but what it also does is it measures your heart rate. So if you look here, it says 70. 71. Yep. Yeah. So this is something I can teach you how to do, which you can use as a proof that we all have control of the autonomous system with the breath, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's something that we can consciously control that also runs on autopilot. That's why it's the remote control for your mind, body, spirit. So let me show you that in action right now you ready mm -hmm. so i'm going to raise it by about 30 beats per minute and then lower it down by around 30 beats per minute as and it's going to look like a magic trick all right but let's go wow that's fast that's going up real fast faster than just Breath retention, that's very noticeable. Wow. From 70 to 108. Back down. Wow, down to 56, 55 from 70, 53. Fifty-two. That's lower than the average resting heart rate of a person, let alone having raised it as high as that, down to 49. Nice. How low can it go? 40, 39. Just so you know, guys, his heart is beating remarkably slowly now. 37. Back up 40. Holy smokes, buddy. There we go, normal. So, looks like magic, right? <laughs> well, this, well, it is. I mean, this is clinical research. This is data. And that, I just want to point out from me as a researcher physician, that was not over 10 minutes, 15 minutes. That was really quick. Okay. We're not going to ask you how you did it, but that is freaking cool. Well, I can show you, I can tell you the principles how to do it. All right. Please. Because you, the doctor, if you want to convince someone, is a great little trick to have, right? So simple rules. When you breathe in, sympathetic nervous system goes up, right? Switches on. When you breathe out, exhale, parasympathetic switches on, right? Now here's the thing. In yoga, you will know about the Mula Bandha or the Ashwini Mudra, okay? <laughs> when you contract up, the, the Ashwini Mudra is basically the sphincter muscles. 
right? And when you contract them up, like you're pulling something up through your butt, right? And you hold your breath on the inhale and contract, and you put tension at the back here, right? Uh-huh. Like that. What happens is you get a surge of adrenaline created, okay? And it's actually what some people do when they're stressed and constantly mulling over thoughts in the mind is every thought creates a sympathetic reaction. Quite often people get uptight, up their own ass. You heard that expression? Mm -hmm. And they're constantly squeezing their butthole up. They get constipation as a result. And they're getting sympathetic nervous system reactions in the body. And that leads to chronic tension, pain, hypertension, all of those problems, right? So what I did was I just produce adrenaline on command. When you do it with the right intention, that's why we, with so much breath, we use this, but with the right context, you get a positive stress response in the body rather than negative stress. You produce adrenaline, but DHEA, which has anti-aging effects and it's, it's an expander rather than a contractor. Cortisol constricts, right? You need a little bit of cortisol, but not too much. So you can, in the right context, create like a euphoric rush, an awakening, which has an anti-inflammatory effect in the moment and also kind of creates a strengthening on the nervous system, like what I just did there. But you should do it in the right seat. That's what and what, what happens in that regard yeah. when, when you change your energy like that? Are we talking, because uh, I want to quickly, before we move on, say this was, this was really cool. Just to reiterate, you literally, you're explaining how when you exhale, that's stimulating the parasympathetic. Is that correct? So, yeah. So the exhale does the opposite and that slows down the heart rate. And when you hold yeah. your breath after exhale, your heart rate goes right down. So I was holding, I, what I did was I gent, so first I breathed in, contracted, right? And the heart rate goes up. Then I exhale very slowly, like I'm breathing out through a small straw, then hold my breath after exhale, you know, for like a minute, and you'll see my heart rate goes right down, right? Mm -hmm. So I, I, what I was just doing there was quickly showing you how you can tap into the autonomic nervous system. But the context of this is that you can use extended exhalation techniques, right, to turn on the parasympathetic, it yeah. taps into the vagus nerve, and you can create a protocol of extended exhalation techniques to help people do all the things that you would normally take medication for to tap into the parasympathetic. Yeah. Stuff like lower blood pressure, lower stress, anxiety, get to sleep. If you use commands like affirmations, you can go to sleep very quickly with extended exhalation techniques. Yeah. So we do rhythmic, rhythmic techniques that do that. Yeah. Yeah. So just to be clear, for those watching that don't understand the, the sympathetic and the parasympathetic nervous system, most of us are over-regulated in the sympathetic fight or flight or freeze stress response, and then we hold that tension in the body. So what Niraj is talking about is being able to understand that when you breathe in, you are increasing the sympathetic, but when you breathe in certain ways, but when you breathe out, you are stimulating a relaxed, beautiful, peaceful, healing state. So if you're uptight or stressed, a good technique to use could be firstly understanding the breath and doing long exhalations as we've just learned. So this is a takeaway technique for you guys to practice should you be interested, you know, for 30 days to really see what effect this is having on the nervous system. I love this and thank you also from your background as a pharmacist to be able to explain the biochemical responses in the body because this is really valuable when it comes to the autonomic nervous system, vagus nerve, etc. I want to go to the whole DMT concept because okay. we know how, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, I know that 
our students are having out-of-body profound mystical healing experiences sometimes in the body sometimes out of the body and i am you know from having an experience with plant medicines i've sat with sacred medicines in in many countries did my journey in peru and and really had the experience of psychedelic medicines one-on-one in sacred ceremonial ways and i know that i have and our students also have what they report to be full-on dmt out-of-body profoundly healing mystical experiences and so i'm under the my hypothesis is to and, and my my desire now to work with my clinical team is to be able to measure the dimethyltryptamine within bloodstream following such a breathwork experience so just excited to be able to quantify that more but i want to get your take on this and when we talk dmt the god particle spirit molecule full-on out-of-body home going home remembering who we are as unconditional love type experiences on command what's your take on that when it comes to dmt and what you've seen in your students possible and what they've experienced when it comes to using breath to have such experiences yeah yeah so i like to look at breath as like a pharmacy right so you can lower your blood pressure you can create anti-inflammatories you can unblock your nose you can fix constipation all the things you go to the pharmacy for but you can also that some drugs also take you into astronaut, psychonaut land, right? You can have those experiences too, right? So pranayama has all of these techniques. So things like holotropic rebirth that you may have heard of, they all come from pranayama originally, right? Mm-hmm. All these breathing techniques you see on the mainstream now are all originally from tantric yoga and pranayama, right? So now funny thing is my mom always said to me, if you study really hard, one day you can go to Cambridge University but actually Cambridge University are studying us on exactly this subject, on what's really going on, the why behind why our techniques create such predictable results of this transformation, taking people into altered states, profound oneness connection, spiritual states that are a lot like taking psilocybin or doing ayahuasca, right? So we actually had a small study done because I want to talk to you about the mechanism and science. We did a small study with a neuroscientist, quite a a respected one called Jeff Tarrant. And he showed that we create measurable changes in the brain that are very similar to what happens after a a dose of psilocybin or MDMA that's used therapeutically for fixing severe depression. Okay, so they compared our technique, a 22-minute session, just 22 minutes, with psilocybin and MDMA brain maps, okay? And he found that there was very little difference in the changes of the brain. And where what it works with profoundly is the default mode network, okay? So the default mode network is the part of the brain that is always worrying about the future, the past, okay? And it's the worrying part of the brain. It also, it, it's the dreamy creative part, but what happens in a default mode network determines the quality of your life. So if you're constantly worrying all the time with anxiety, right, and it's very active, that part of the brain, it's hard for you to be present and you tend to sometimes get disassociated and also you end up getting all the stress and tension and high blood pressure and all this because you think it, you will it into your being, right? Yeah. So what severe, like psilocybin and, and MDMA use for severe depression, right? What they do is they actually quieten down the activity of the default mode network, right? So psilocybin in in particular, what it does is it suppresses blood flow to certain regions of the brain, which then creates a disconnection that stops you thinking and worrying so much Mm -hmm. about future past events and you end up in a different altered space, right? 
That's it, the mechanism. Is this related to, to transient hypofrontality flow state? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same so concept, slowing down the prefrontal cortex? No, that's kind of different. This is more to do with the default mode. So yeah. this is the worrying, the contemplating part of the brain that gets hung mm -hmm. up on the future past, which is what causes people to get depressed, actually, because that part of the brain is like self-critical all the time. And it's like just going around and around, they can't control it, right? So what happens with breath work and why it works the same way is it also hyperventilation, right, can also suppress parts of the brain because hyperventilation and actually chronic hyperventilation is the cause of a lot of disease in the world, right? When people breathe way too fast, more than they need to with bad breathing habits and mouth breathing, but in a controlled manner, controlled hyperventilation can actually make you shut off regions of the brain, which is the same way that things like DMT works. Okay. And in fact, DMT comes out to play when there's low blood oxygen levels. Okay. Mm -hmm. That, and that then stabilizes brain cells, which are starving oxygen. So that's one of the roles of DMT. So what we're doing with chronic hyperventilation controlled, not chronic, sorry, controlled hyperventilation is we're suppressing the breath because what you're, I mean, the oxygen to get into the brain cells, because when you breathe out lots of CO2, CO2 is what is what gets the oxygen from red blood cells into the, to the cells, right? Yeah. That you need the body tissue cells. So if you have less CO2, because you're hyperventilating, breathing too fast, you get suppressed blood flow and you get vasoconstriction and less blood flow going to certain regions of the brain. Usually it's those regions that deal with your sense of self that go first, quiet now first. Now, if it's too extreme and not everyone's kind of on the same level, it can actually cause too much of that happening and people can get very ungrounded and get very spaced out and actually end up getting traumatized as a result. So there's some problems with chronic hyperventilation. And I'm, it's not my preferred choice, the very fast breathing techniques. So there's other ways to do the same. Now, the most revered technique in pranayama is kumbhaka, breath retention, right? And actually the science of pranayama, we, I mean, that's a whole other interview, is all about, if you look at real original traditional yoga, the way it's done, where it's all about controlling the breath, functional contraction, where you're really exercising with reduced blood flow to your muscles and things, that type of exercise and, and, and breathing techniques of pranayama, which revolves around breath retention, what it does, it makes you super efficient at using oxygen which means you can hold your breath for long periods of time. And if you can hold your breath for long periods of time, if you have a slow breathing rate, actually you prevent oxidative stress. You actually oh, cool. reduce the risk of oxidative stress and that has an anti-aging effect, right? Yes, for the long term. Now, when you get really good at breath retention, you can hold your breath for 60, 90 seconds and beyond after an exhale, right? you get into these low oxygen, systemic low blood oxygen states called intermittent hypoxia. Mm. When you do it for long enough, right, you can wake up endogenous stem cells, very small embryonic stem cells. They have the power to turn into any other cell in the body, lower inflammation, create healing, right? They are stimulating. Wake they up embryonic stem cells. Very small embryonic stem cells. Anti-aging yeah. one-on-one. Yeah. This is what is what is the mechanism of why we get such miraculous healing effects, dramatic rapid oh. techniques. So you mean right? on a physical level, it's the awakening of ancient, uh, basically dormant life force energy stuck 
that are being reinvigorated as youthfulness is spread out through yes. the body again kind of thing? Yeah. And then when you get to lower and lower oxygen levels, that's when the real psychedelic effects happen. And you get into blissful samadhi, mm. uh, nirvana-like states. The, thing, yeah. the, the states of my being that were talked about by the ancient mystics, right? So when you do that, because carbon dioxide raises up, carbon dioxide, when you hold, so when you hold your breath after the exhale, you allow CO2 to eventually rise. CO2 actually has a blissful feeling. That's why you, you when you have a panic attack, you breathe through a paper bag, it calms you down and makes you feel like a little bit more relaxed. Because CO2 actually calms you down, makes you feel more blissed. It works with nitric oxide, which also wakes up everything, dilates, makes you feel bliss. Oxygen actually constricts and makes you feel tense. Uh -huh. So when you do the breathing exercises, which is all about breath retention, holding your breath, right? What happens is actually you can get into blissful psychedelic states rather than that painful catharsis that can happen with chronic hyperventilation. And this, especially when you do rhythmic breathing with it, when you keep everything in a rhythm, you create a state of coherence and balance. And when you do breath retentions and train yourself to have long breath retentions, you get into these beautiful blissful states. So with Soma Breath, we really revolve and focus on this. And we take people into bliss and nirvana and psychedelic states that are more like bliss and nirvana, more like cannabis rather than hardcore, you know, LSD, chemical LSD. And I, I, I look at like certain breath practices, more like synthetic LSD, like too much of it, where you lose control and you can't control the trip versus what we do, the way we do it and take people into these psychedelic states more like really good sativa, right? Or indica or very pleasurable, like MDMA or psilocybin done in the right way states. So do you get what I'm saying? It's like, there's two ways of doing psychedelic states of breath work. And I believe that the way we do it is just more pleasurable and we see this, but you also get all of the other benefits of improved oxygen efficiency, increased CO2 tolerance, which are all things, you know, lower breathing rates, slower breathing rates, which are all things associated with longevity, anti-aging, waking up endogenous stem cells and all this stuff. Ah, I just had that. This is brilliant. I just had a little thought and it was kind of like, you look at some of the incredible yogis uh, over the time, they've lived hundreds and hundreds of years. And some of them are just, I mean, you look at it and go, no, no, it's not possible. You can't live that long because of this and that. And then we hear the stories of the incredible ones that sat in caves and, you know, came out younger and younger and lived for hundreds of years. This would, in 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 theory for me, be the science behind if you can rejuvenate the body through dormant stem cells and 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 do this kind of work, and also function on on energy rather than, you know, for example, digestive energy, that that would make sense. That yes. that's a, a well, really cool concept. I can I can back that up with a little bit of science as well. So Lao Tzu, the Chinese philosopher, says the perfect human breathes like they don't breathe at all, right? So if you reverse engineer that, what, that, what he means is that your breathing rate is so slow and shallow, right, that, and subtle, that you're so efficient in using oxygen, you hardly need any oxygen. So if you hardly need to breathe, right, that means you have a good balance of CO2, 
you make energy very efficiently in the body. Uh huh. That also means then you have less oxidative stress because imagine the mitochondria are all little engines, combustion engines, burning oxygen. If you have a very inefficient engine, you become more like a finely tuned Tesla that runs forever without making any noise, right? Silent breath, right? So people who huff and puff, who have wheezy breath, noisy breath, breathe through their mouth, they tend to have bad health. People who huff tend to have really good health. And then here's the other thing. So if you look at the animal kingdom, animals that live a long time, elephant turtles, right? Whales, they hold their breath for long periods. Like a whale holds its breath for like two hours at a time. It's extremely slow breathing way. It's one breath per minute. And, but animals that live not very long time, like one or two years, like rats and mice, they have a fast breathing rate, 150 to 300 breaths per minute, right? They don't hold their breath at all. And they only live like a year. The naked mole rat, they live, right? For 30 years plus, free of disease, really robust creatures. And guess what? They're, they are rats, but they live primarily underground in hypoxic environments, right? And they hold their 18 set. Now, talking about conscious breathing, right? Humans have the ability to train themselves and choose to breathe like whales and elephants or be like rats on the rat rats. Now, which one are you going to choose? Oh, mate, this is beautiful. My breath is slowing down as we speak. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Last question for you, brother. This is a big one, exciting for me. When we teach our breath work, it is often that we have all these different kinds of experiences of healing and, and psychedelic type kind of experiences. One thing I've also noticed, and I've had these experiences by doing yours on YouTube. In a moment, guys, we're going to drop some information just for now. Go to Soma Breath YouTube and, and do some of the work. Two of my favorites, morning a gratitude meditation and the meditation to meet the higher self or meditation for the higher self. 20, 30 minutes approximately. Be in a state, in a space where you can relax, good speakers, listen, breathe, go all in. And I think you're going to have, I know you're going to have some quite interesting and beautiful experiences, or at least very interesting experiences, depending on where you're at in your life, but really love your work, bro. Here's what I've seen. A lot of our students, we talk about spirit, right? And we talk about potentially being spirits infused in human forms. We're more than just physical. We know this through quantum physics, now metaphysics, we're a tiny percent physical. And most of us is, most majority of us is just pure consciousness, right? And so when we take our students through this breath, we do this three-day quantum advanced seminar and we heal through the blockages. We use part of the you know, Bhagavad Gita lineage type systems, healing the fear, the guilt, the shame, the grief, the, you know, the basically yeah. removing the energetic block to the specific energy center, yeah. spiraling from the bottom to the top. And when we get to the top and we've opened up, you know, the nadis and, and the systems accordingly, our students often have these powerful experiences when the crown opens, if you will. This is the way we facilitate it in one of our breaths. Amazing. It's, it's super cool. I'd love to run you through it one day, bro. It's, it's yeah, bro. Please. It is. Wow. Wow. Um, and so what happens, and this is regular again and predictable again, is that they actually, and I, and I will not you know, predict what's happening, but they are able to access superhuman states beyond the ones that we've even discussed today, which is having conversations with loved ones that have passed over. Are going to source and receiving the message that they needed. And and this is regular. And 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 sometimes we've got to be really special and sacred within our work. But so sometimes they have the conversation that they're waiting for for 30 years. They were wow. with their their mother that has passed again and they were held again and they got the exact message that they needed. And I know if you look at levels, layers, dimensions, whatever, 
they certainly leave the, the standard part of the human experience and have experiences that can only be, be explained. I can't explain it scientifically rather than they're able to access higher states of consciousness of which they can meet their loved ones or angels, archangels, whatever might be dwelling in different dimensions or whatever it might be. I, I cannot say for sure. But I wanted kind of to share your take on that because I've had powerful experiences with your breath. So what do you think happens? I can explain it to my to my patients and students by the fact that when you increase energy frequency and vibration to a higher level, you're able to access different states of consciousness of which this information is, of course, there and available. But I wanted to see if you've had similar type experiences and, and how you think the breath could, quote unquote, take someone's consciousness out of the physical vessel to have a profound experience of the supernatural that they know to be true for them. And then, you know, obviously get them safely into their bodies again, if you will. Uh, but through the spiritual aspect, if we end on that note, how do you think this breath is potentially a bridge to who we are or accessing these levels of consciousness? What are your thoughts? Yeah, so it, it really depends on how you want to explain it because there's many different models of reality, right? So there's going to be the very materialistic Richard Dawkins atheist model of reality. And the way he'll explain that is that what it is, is just your brain hallucinating and coming up with stories, right? And it's all materialistic and, you know, there's no such thing as God and, and stuff like that, right? And so if you look at it from that perspective, because it's really hard to say what's right or wrong, you can't prove anything. And the problem with atheists as well, like that, like someone like Richard Dawkins is that they're more fundamentalist sometimes and more religious than the, the ones that they're calling out, right? The religious people they're calling out. It, it's become a religion. So, but they believe their belief system so much. So let's explore that belief system. Well, you could say that our brain is just like a, a tool for us to understand, interpret information that's being fed to us. So all we're doing is we're kind of making a dream fantasy story to create a message that helps us make a, a better decision moving forward in our life, maybe, right? To free us from some kind of old repetitive program that's running, running, running. That's, that's yeah, the material. Yeah. 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 So it's like, okay, that's that's all it is. That's that's what that would say. Now, if you go into the, the realms of like spirituality and things like that, there are different levels of consciousness. There's the consciousness of you know, every cell in your body, right? The, the somatic intelligence and the consciousness of this reality, the 3D reality. And then there's the 4D, there's a level of consciousness which connects everyone, the Carl Jung collective con consciousness. Mm -hmm. Then there's the, the 5D, which is the beyond this world, all right? And going into universal consciousness, okay? And so the theory goes that when you get into like deeper um, brainwave states, you start to change the transmitter that you tune into. Okay. Uh -huh. you, you can tune into this level of consciousness or go into the, the universal consciousness. And that's when you start to get different thought and different ideas and creativity and pluck things from the ether, which goes beyond space and time. Exactly. And, and if you do something like ayahuasca, right? Um, properly, like I've only done it once, but it was the most profound hallucinogenic spiritual experience of my life. Nothing has even come close to it. 
right? Because I'm not a very visual person, actually. I'm more uh, auditory kinesthetic. And people who are very visual tend to, in um, breathwork experiences, have similar visions as they do on psilocybin, right? I don't get that so much, but when I did ayahuasca, it was, it was beyond a doubt that there was, in my mind, even though it could be just me making shit up, right? That there was a spiritual force, a, a world that exists beyond this reality. So I was literally visited by an angel who gave me the meaning of life and so much more. With seven, snow, it was like Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. There were all these little dwarf entities, and they were basically preparing me for what I'm going through now. Actually, I got it when I did it when I first got the symptoms of colitis. I didn't even know I had colitis, and sh what they gave me the message was that you're going to go through a, an incredible transformation now, and you need to be prepared for it and what's going to happen. And and then there was a lot of forgiveness about the past, super profound, but it was so clear right that it, it seemed like for sure in my mind that there is a other world that we can tap into when we are open to it mm -hmm. and i think the mystics what they are able to do is to enter into these realms with or without substances maybe they do it with the breath or not um or, or together is very powerful we we do sometimes uh these i call them breathing light experiences with a small dose of uh, psilocybin which is the most profound awakenings i've ever seen right so um what happens is then you get you become an adept the adepts are the That's mystics it. who mm -hmm. are able to explore other realms and learn and dissect information from those realms to aid the growth and and the strength of the tribe and use it for the greater good beyond them so they're the conduit from that world to this world. That's what the true shamans are. Now everyone's a shaman. They think they're shamans, but real adepts are the ones who can go into that world, speak with all these entities, the good ones, and be guided by the light, right? That's mm -hmm. the true shamans. That's what the original Siberian shamans would do with their, you know, Amanita mushrooms and, and things like that. So yeah. the Soma, the original Soma, right? So breathwork and breathing techniques were like kind of, not always a replacement for it. They were like, and rather than, or when the shamans really were, were very adept with the drugs, well, not drugs, like plant medicines, yeah, you know, when yeah, they yeah. know how to use it, the right context. But if you don't know how to do it, if you think of it, that there is another world out there, you can also be possessed by the wrong entities, right? And I've seen this happen where people delve into these realms by tapping into these universal consciousness states, right? And then end up actually becoming worse as a person than they were before, right? Mm -hmm. And this happens yeah, a lot it's with- a powerful realm to play yeah. in, hey? Yeah, yeah there's, a, there's a lot of lot of stuff happening there. I want to ask you a question, brother, before I hop off. And I want to keep talking all day because this has been amazing. I've got a question for you that I love asking everyone that I interview and have the privilege of sharing their message with our people. Now, this is the context, right? Imagine now that you're on the world stage and every person in the world is gathered, present, patient, excited to hear your message to the world. Um, take a moment, take a breath whenever you're ready, just short, sharp, whatever it might be. Tell us, what is your message to the world right now? Right now? Wow. So I think it's what I said in the beginning is we have no more 
in common and we have that's different. And the one thing we all have in common is that we all breathe. So I think the whole world, and if I'm on the world stage right now, would come together as one and we'd all breathe together at the same time. That's, that's what we do. Our technique is everyone's breathing in sync with each other. And it creates such an amazing unity feeling. Everyone who comes to our events, that's one of the things they say is they feel so connected to everybody else that I think that my, the world's biggest conspiracy needs to be everyone on the planet breathing together at the same time, you know? Oh, dude, I mean, let's do this. Let's get as many people together and we'll, we'll get that done. This will be a quest and I'm here to support your dream. That's perfect. I'm in, I'm in. And actually, I just interviewed the the director of research of HeartMath yesterday. Oh, um, right! I want to see that amazing guy, amazing guy. And they—that's what their their big mission is too. So we need to all just unite all these people. Absolutely, I'll be I'll be reaching out to you to stay in touch so we can stay connected. And um, I thank you again for your time. Just last the last thing before we jump off, where can people find out more about your breath, your work? I've mentioned YouTube a couple of times to experience your work and yeah. also you teach the breathwork facilitation or that type of training. So give this, where do people go to connect with you or to learn more about you? Yeah, great. So check out somabreath.com. That's where you, we have a lot of courses and instructor training. We, we teach instructors, but we also have a YouTube channel, Soma Breath, Facebook group, Soma Breath, Instagram, Soma Breath. My personal Instagram is Official, so you can follow me on there as well. And yeah, we'll do. Thank you for being the epitome of the hero's journey as you go from being a, a, a burnt down pharmacist and into the pit and then the pit is where your purpose is revealed. And I return with the elixir and it's been a healing elixir for my family and for our community. And I'm sure it has, as, and as I know it has for your community as well. So thank you so much for your time. Everybody go and check out somabreath.com and uh, looking forward to staying connected, brother. God bless. Amazing, bro. Thank you. Peace. Once again, thank you so much for listening. And if you want to learn more about how to walk the quantum path into life mastery, business mastery, uh, if you want to learn more about our live events or coaching or anything that we offer, go to www.drespen.com. That's D-R-E-S-P-E-M.com or email info at drespen.com. And let's find out how we can help you take your life, your business and your mission to a whole nother level. We'll see you next time.